0: Hello, and thank you for logging on to the Memory Gauge, your new favourite Digimon card game podcast. I'm your host, Connor, and in this week's holiday special, we're taking a look at a special holiday deck, a holiday dinner themed deck profile. But before we get into that, we have a couple of announcements. Firstly, this episode is our last episode for the year. After this episode, Memory Gauge will be taking a brief hiatus. That means that there's going to be no episode on next Friday, which is the 1st of January, but the Memory Gauge podcast will be back on the 8th of January 2021. We've got a lot of great stuff planned for the new year, and I'm very excited about what's going to come. I'm not just excited about the new sets and the new cards, but I'm really, really excited about all the new content that Memory Gauge is going to be bringing you in 2021. It's a little too early to say exactly what I'm planning, there's a lot of logistics that's still got to be worked out, I'm not locked in 100% on what I'm going to be doing, but if even half of what I have planned comes to pass, I think it's going to be a very cool year. And finally, as of the publishing of this episode, the Memory Gauge has just hit a milestone, we've just hit 1,000 total downloads of the podcast, that's far better than I ever imagined that this would do, and I just wanted to take a second to thank all of our listeners for your support every single one of you is appreciated we've got a great community in the digimon card game and i can't wait to see where we're going in the future so i just wanted to say really sincerely thank you so so much i really appreciate it let's get into the episode So for this week's episode, I wanted to do another Deck Profile as a holiday gift to you listeners. The Deck Profile episodes seem to be the ones that you guys have enjoyed the most, so I wanted to make sure I was giving the people what they wanted as we head into the holidays. This week's Deck Profile is a little bit different, though. I also wanted to make sure I was doing something lighthearted to head into the holidays. I didn't want something dense, too sort of nitty-gritty as we head off into the holiday break, I wanted to make sure that we were leaving on sort of a lighthearted note, especially because given when this episode is coming out, probably a lot of people will miss it. So I didn't want to give like vital information in an episode that a lot of people are probably going to miss. So for this week's deck, rather than building around a color or building around a specific card or a strategy, I thought that I would do a bit of a showcase of one of my personal favorite ways to deck build when I'm not building for competitive play. And that is building around a theme. So I've put the deck list for today up in the show notes. Check it out to see what I came up with and follow along as I explain all the cards and all the decisions that I made while building this deck. Before we begin, I do want to give a disclaimer. This deck is not going to be competitive. I built it to be as strong as I could within the constraints of the theme that I chose. But I wouldn't take this to your locals and expect to clean up this this kind of deck is meant to be a little bit silly, a little bit fun. It's meant to be sort of, A bit of a showcase of creativity rather than necessarily being really, really strong. And I think it's important to remember that we don't always have to build top of the meta decks all the time. And it's okay to do something a bit out of left field, something that's a bit more experimental, creative, silly. Because we're all playing this game to have fun. It is a game. We're here to have fun. And building a deck this way can be really, really fun. So with all the preamble out of the way, let's jump into the deck. Now, if you've listened to my previous Deck Profile episodes, a lot of the following steps are going to be pretty familiar to you. But there's also a few differences between the way that I build a deck that's trying to compete and be competitive versus when I'm building a deck around a theme. So firstly, you need to come up with your theme. And this was actually a little bit harder than I thought. I knew that I wanted to do something specifically themed for the holidays which is still pretty broad. So first I thought I might do a Winter Wonderland deck. So my next step from there was to go on to digimoncard.dev, which is a great online database of all the cards. And I browsed through all the cards I had access to in 1.0, which the website allows you to do. You can choose to search by set. Really, really good. You should check it out. And when I'm deck building like this, what I like to do is set the website to browse in deck building mode. So then when I see a card that I think I might want to include, I click it, it automatically puts it into the deck. And then when I'm done, I've got all the cards I thought I might want to include already there in the deck. I don't have to remember. I don't have to write anything down. I can just click as I go and be like, yep, I want that one. So once then once I've browsed all the cards, I can then start deciding, oh, actually, I don't want that. Ooh, I need three of that, four of that, just two of that, whatever it might be. So I put all the cards from 1.0 that I thought fit with a Winter Wonderland theme into one deck. And unfortunately, it turned out to not be enough cards. There were some really great cards. Frigimon was like the key card of the deck because it's like a snowman theme. There was Dolphmon. There was the starter deck, Metal Garurumon, standing on that really cool snowy plateau. There was Plesiomon. They were the kind of arctic feel. And they really fit. But then a lot of the other cards... Felt like a bit of a stretch. And I really wanted the theme of the deck to come across strongly to be unmistakable. And with the cards currently available at 1.0, unfortunately, I didn't really feel that I could get the Winter Wonderland theme across. So I had to put that idea on a shelf, although I wouldn't be surprised if it manifested eventually. And I had to come up with something else. So I knew that I wanted a holiday theme. So I started listing all the things that I think of when I think about the holidays, when I think about this time of year. Winter couldn't do it. There weren't enough cards to support that theme. But how about the things that we do at the holidays? Many of us get together with our family and friends and loved ones and we eat and we have big meals. I know that personally in my family we get together, we have a big Christmas Eve dinner. Could I possibly build a holiday dinner deck? Well, if you read the episode title, you probably know that I could... Um, so when I thought about holiday dinners, mostly what I thought about was the food, thought about turkey and roast chicken and all that traditional kind of foods. And there's often vegetable based side dishes as well, which as a vegetarian really appealed to me. So I decided to see if I could build a deck holiday dinner themed, and I would build it using only bird and vegetable themed Digimon. And that was how I was going to tie into the theme of the cris- of the holiday dinner with the turkey, the chicken, and the vegetables. So when building a competitive deck, your win condition will guide your deck building. What cards can I include that will get me to that win condition? What cards will stop my opponent's win condition? What cards can delay or defeat the strategy that my deck is weak against? Now, when you're building a theme deck, it's a little bit simpler. You just have to think to start off with, what cards do I have access to that fit with the deck's theme? So I decided to be pretty strict. I would only allow plant-based and bird-based Digimon because looking through DigimonCard.dev I had enough to support the theme. There weren't all the strongest cards but I had enough to do it. Options and tamers had to fit with the theme as well if at all possible and finally after looking at the cards I had available I decided to try to stick to red and green. Most of the Digimon that I could use according to my sort of personal set restrictions We're already in those colors and they are traditional Christmas colors. You see them a lot at the holiday time. So it just made sense. So now that we know the restrictions, let's take a look at the final deck list. And if you haven't already, I encourage you to open it up, take a look, see what cards are in there and follow along as I explain why I chose what I chose to put in. Firstly, the Digi-Eggs. Now given that the deck is split fairly evenly between green and red, I sort of hemmed and hawed about which Digi-Eggs to include, but after I did a few test draws using DigimonCard.dev, I found that the final Digimon mix that I had gave me pretty even access to red and green level 3s in my opening hands, so I decided it was safe to include both green and red Digi-Eggs. So first I included three copies of Tanemon. It's a vegetable, and there is a cooked piece of meat in the artwork, so that was like a flavor win for the theme. But it also gives a plus 2,000 DP boost as inheritable effect, so long as I have Digivolved that turn. And I knew that in this deck I was going to be attacking pretty often, because the deck doesn't really have strong combo finishes or anything like that. So the extra DP seemed like a nice addition as well. And then secondly... We went for two copies of Yokomon. Flavorfully, Yokomon looks like a vegetable and it digivolves into Beomon, a bird. So again, that was a double win. And then Yokomon gives plus 1000 DP as an inheritable effect when the Digimon is attacking another Digimon. And again, since I was planning to attack quickly, attack often, this seemed like a good effect. I went with two Yokomon versus three Tanemon because after putting together the list, green seemed to be my primary colour, so I wanted slightly more access to the Tanemon than I did the Yokomon. This was really my first experiment with a hybrid deck as well. I thought this was a good place to try it out, because since the deck wasn't meant to be competitive anyway, since it was meant to be a bit silly, it kind of freed me of the pressure of, oh my god, I've got to get this right, because I take this to my locals and I lose, then... Ah, oh, terrible, I feel so embarrassed, but building a deck this way as a theme deck kind of took a lot of the pressure off making it really, really good, and it just let me play around with the idea of putting two colours into one deck. Now we get to the Digimon, and as I said in the deck building with limitations episode, when you're building a deck under a set of constraints, whether those constraints are I only have access to a limited number of physical cards, or I can only use cards that fit my theme, I find that it's important not to hinder yourself further by building your deck in an inconsistent fashion. So I made sure to build my deck to fit the standard curve of level 3s to level 6s. So this means that even though our deck is silly and a bit weak, It should at least play fairly consistently. I find that building a deck around a theme is fun, but if it's totally unplayable every hand you pick up, then the fun is quickly going to disappear. You're never actually going to play the deck. Besides, I kind of enjoy the challenge of trying to make a themed deck as strong as I possibly can, because it would be too easy to just include one of every card that fits the theme and then call it a day. The challenge of actually trying to make it a playable deck that might get off an occasional win is really appealing to me. So the deck is playing 14 level 3s. 10 level 4s, 9 level 5s, and 6 level 6s. I wanted to include a lot of Digimon for a couple of reasons. One, the deck can only really win if it's allowed to attack a lot, so it needs access to a lot of Digimon. And the second reason is that the theme is really carried by the Digimon cards in this deck. And a big part of the fun of theme decks is assembling a board state that represents the theme. That means that you're going to want to make sure that you're drawing cards that fit your theme so that you can sort of put your theme on display and say, Hey, I've made this silly deck. It's set to this theme. Look at my board state. It reflects that theme. So now let's go over what the actual Digimon were that I included. Starting at level 3's first... I include three copies of Mushroom-On, it fits with the food theme because it's a mushroom, and it's a cheap level three to play outright, it only costs two memory and it has a lot of DP for a level three. After I assembled all the cards in 1.0 that fit my theme, it became time to try to bring the theme together into a cohesive strategy. And looking at all the cards that fit my theme, I asked myself, is there any strategy or gameplay plan looking at all these cards? Is there anything that's leaping out of me? And I noticed that a lot of the lower level Digimon that I was allowed to play, were cheap to play outright, and that means that I can flood the board, get in lots of attacks, have a bit of a rush strategy. And now that I knew my strategy, I'm able to just kind of start making cuts. So, Mushroom On made the grade because it only costs two to play, it has 4,000 DP, and that is pretty good for a level three. So, it fits with my low to the ground rush kind of strategy. Next up, four copies of Palmon. Palmon's effect lets me search up a level four from the top three cards. Of my deck. I'm not playing a lot of level 4s, so this makes sure I'm getting access to them. It helps me get up those Digivolution chains a little bit quicker, and I also appreciated that Palmon doesn't specify a specific color of Digimon on the card, unlike a lot of these cards, so I could use it to grab a green level 4 or a red level 4, and that let me have a bit more consistency in the two color strategy. It meant that I was getting a bit more access to the actual color Digimon that I needed, so I really appreciated that as well. Next, We have two copies of Muchomon. Muchomon is a three cost vanilla, that is a Digimon that has no effects. Level three, that costs one to Digivolve, so pretty bad for a level three, but it has 5,000 DP. I appreciated that high DP level on a level three. There were maybe some other cards that I could have replaced this with. I could have put in more promo Biomon, for instance, but when I first thought of the idea for this deck, Mucho Mon was the first card I pictured, literally, so I felt that I kind of had to include it, and sometimes making these choices for flavor reasons or just because you like a card is okay, and that's why I like theme decks, because they allow you a lot more leeway to make card choices just because you like the card, rather than because it's the optimal card to play. And then next up, as I said, we've got just two copies of the Promo Biomon. Now, this Beomon costs three to play, zero to Digivolve, and it has 2,000 DP. But the main reason we're playing it is it gives a great inheritable effect that says, when this Digimon destroys an opponent's Digimon in battle and survives, draw one. And again, I'm being aggressive, I'm attacking a lot, so this effect will probably happen a bit more often than it might in another deck. And with the two-color strategy... Seeing lots of cards is important for consistency, so this was a good include. And finally, three copies of the starter deck, Beamon because this is a vanilla level three. It costs just two to play, and it's a staple in any aggressive deck when you want to get lots of Digimon out onto the field. Next, the level fours. First, we have two copies of Vegimon. Vegemon's another Digimon that I immediately pictured when planning this deck. It's in the name. It's Vegimon. So, it just really fits well with the theme. But it is actually also a pretty good card. It's a level four that digivolves for just one memory, and this is a good aggressive card, letting you get a pretty reasonably sized body onto the field really quickly. This particular type of card, the level four that digivolves for one, is one of my favorites in the game. So, of course, I had to include some copies of Vegemon. Next, two copies of. Togemon. Togemon's another Digimon like Palmon. It says when Digivolving you get to look at the top 3 cards of your deck, reveal them, and put a level 5 from among them into your hand and the rest on the bottom. So just like Palmon, Togemon's just here for a little bit of consistency to help you get up those Digivolution chains. Next, our first red level 4 is Kokatorimon and we're playing four copies. Cockatorymon is a vanilla level four. It's got just 4,000 DP. It costs two memory to Digivolve, but the big benefit here is that it costs just three to play it outright. And that means for the cost of playing the average level four, you can play Cockatorium on Digivolve straight to a level five. So really, it's just here to get you up those Digivolution Chains again. As I said, um, we'll talk later about why you want to get up the Digivolution Chains, what you're trying to aim towards, but this is just another really good card to sort of flood the board as well. And then finally, we have two copies of Base Set Bergemon. That's the Bergemon with the code BT1017. So this Bergemon is a level 4, 4 to play, 2 to Digivolve, and it has 4000 DP. It doesn't have an Inheritable, but it does have a When Played effect that gives one of your Digimon security attack plus 1 until the end of the turn. So this seemed like a pretty good way to get some extra attacks and close out the game. It just means that I had to figure out a way to have the memory to play this and attack on the same turn which was a little bit difficult but i think i came up with a solution and that brings us to our level fives and the reason that i included two copies of digitamomon because Digitamamon is a memory borrower which is kind of the community term for this particular cycle of digimon there's one in each color and it has the following stats and effects it is a level five cost six to play cost three to digivolve seven thousand dp no inheritable effect And a main effect that reads, when attacking, get plus three memory. At the end of your turn, lose three memory. So you attack with Digitamomon, you get an extra three memory to play with, but then at the end of your turn, you do have to give three memory to your opponent once the turn has switched over. One of my favorite ways to play these is you play it, you attack, and you follow up with a huge play that then sets the memory gauge to nine or ten on your opponent's side, and then they barely get any extra memory from the borrower. So you've got to play a big, big Digimon and maybe a couple of other things and little downside to it, or not as much downside as there could be. Um, now, before we point it out, before we move it on, yes, Digitamomon is an egg and it has reptilian legs. It's not a bird, it's not a vegetable, but eggs are still a food stuff. So I felt that this fit within the dinner theme. Next, one copy of Yagamon, Yagamon costs 7 to play, 3 to Digivolve, it has 7000 DP, it has no Inheritable, but it does have a main effect that reads When attacking, reveal the top 3 cards of your deck. You may Digivolve into a level 6 green Digimon from among them without paying its cost Put the rest on the bottom of your deck in any order. So this is another way to kind of get up the Digivolution chain, which is nice It won't often hit, unfortunately, but the times that it does, it will feel great I figured this would not be very consistent, so I only included one, but it's still a nice effect, and it just kind of fills out the level 5, so I thought it was worth an include. Next up, 3 Cherrymon. So this is a level 5. It costs 8 to play, 2 to Digivolve, 7,000 DP, but it has Blocker. It's really important in pretty much every deck to have Blockers to stop attacks, and of the options I had, I felt that Cherrymon was the best fit for my theme, because Cherrymon at least kind of has a food... In its name unlike Woodmon, and completely unlike Cordramon uh, from Red. So Cherrymon is our blocker and finally our Red level 5 we're playing just one Red level 5. Three copies of base set Garudamon. That's BT1022. Garudamon costs seven to play, three to digivolve. It has 7000 DP and it has piercing which means that when it destroys an opponent's Digimon because of battle, it also performs any security checks that it usually would. And it also has an inheritable effect that reads, Your turn. If this Digimon is blocked, draw one. So this is really great because if you can get this effect, it turns your attacks into a win-win situation. Otherwise, either you take out a security or an opponent's Digimon, or you get blocked and you get to draw a card. So this is a pretty strong Digimon. This is one of the reasons you're trying to get up that Digivolution chain. And I'm really, really glad that it fit in our theme because I don't often get to use this Garudamon, and this was a place where I could make it fit. And then lastly, we're playing two level sixes. Firstly, we're playing four copies of Rosemond, which I pictured as the centerpiece of our holiday dinner table. Rosemond costs 12 to play, three to digivolve. It's got 11,000 DP and it reads opponent's turn. When one of your opponent's Digimon attacks a player, if this Digimon is suspended, suspend one of your opponent's Digimon. So this is a really great offensive defensive effect, sorry, because it basically halves the number of attacks that your opponents can make because every time they're swinging to attack, they also need to suspend something else. And it also lets you suspend their blockers. When they attack you, they attack you with something, you choose to suspend their blocker and it opens them up for a counter attack. And then finally two copies of Phoenixmon, and Phoenixmon is just a big vanilla level 6 in red. 10 to play, 2 to Digivolve, it has 12,000 DP, that's a lot of DP, and Phoenixmon is here just to be kind of a big beater, which comes in handy a lot more often than you might think. Sometimes you just need a lot of power on the board, and that's where Phoenixmon shines. And also remember that because we're only playing one red level 5, the Garudamon, Phoenixmon is, if you've Digivolved it, will always have that if this is blocked draw plus one effect so really making it a pretty strong digimon to start swinging in with that brings us to the end of the digimon we're going to talk about the tamers there are no tamers in this deck this is kind of a thematic decision because none of the tamers or their effects felt very fitting for the deck so i elected to go without it and i kind of thought about including the Mimi. But in two colors, her effect I thought just wouldn't come up enough to really be worth it. So I decided just not to play any of the tamers. And this was also okay because we didn't I felt we didn't really need memory tamers because the deck is generally so low to the ground anyway that you just don't suffer as much from being memory choked as maybe other decks do. And then lastly, the option cards. We're playing nine total option cards. That's definitely more than usual, but because we aren't playing Tamers and because none of the usual tech Digimon fit with our theme, I felt this was the next best direction to go. So first we're playing two copies of Potato Smasher, and I will admit this card is mostly here for the flavor, because every good holiday dinner needs mashed potatoes in my opinion. But it's a two-cost green option that reduces the cost of Digivolving into a... um, Digivolving into a... Apologies, just read the card here. Digivolving a level five green, want into a level six by four until the end of your turn. Uh, and so that means that you get to Digivolve into your Rosemond for two memory instead of three, because you have to remember that although the option card makes the Digivolve cost cheaper by four, it still costs you memory to play the card. So it still costs you two memory to play the card, but that extra one memory can sometimes still be relevant. It can be the difference between Digivolving and then losing the turn, And digivolving and getting to attack. So I thought that it was kind of a reasonably good effect. And of course, mashed potatoes had to be on the dinner table. Next, three copies of Shadow Wing. Now, this is a one-cost option from the red starter deck that gives one of your Digimon plus 3,000 DP until the end of the turn, but its security effect is the main reason that it's in the deck. Its security effect gives all of your Digimon security attack plus one until the end of your next turn. And since we're planning to go wide, which is playing a lot of Digimon rather than just playing one strong one, this can kind of turn the game around, turn a losing situation into a winning attack and get you up over the line, get you attacking for the win. Next, two copies of Starlight Explosion. This two-cost option gives all of your security Digimon plus 7,000 DP until the end of your next turn. This deters your opponent from attacking, since it all but guarantees that they will lose their Digimon if they do, and really causes your opponent to have to really think about whether it's worth it to attack you, and sometimes it can deter them from attacking you and kind of save you for another turn, which is really good. Now I included Starlight Explosion and Shadowing because both of them depict birds, I felt that fit with their theme. And then lastly, we've got two copies of Terra Force, which is an 8 cost option which destroys an opponent's Digimon when played from the hand or when it comes up from the security. It's here because every holiday dinner needs some burning candles. Yeah, okay, it doesn't fit with the theme per se, but it's really great removal. It helps the deck to kind of actually compete a little bit against other proper decks, so I kind of felt that it was okay to buck the theme just a little bit, just this once. Feel free to let me know via Twitter or email what card you would have included in place of Terra Force to keep the theme consistent. That was my one sort of disappointment was that I couldn't find a better card to sort of fit in for Terra Force. And so that's how I built the deck. And now I'd like to talk briefly about playing the deck. So as I said, you want to build up a wide board. And when I say a wide board, what I mean is you're playing a lot of Digimon rather than Digivolving up one Digimon. And then you want to attack often because your Digimon are cheap and replaceable for the most part so you shouldn't be afraid to fire off into the security early. And if you can find the space, maybe in your raising area, Digivolve up into a Rosemon or a Phoenixmon to really put the pressure on or at least get to Garudamon so you can start taking out key Digimon and security at the same time. And then finally, the closing remarks, the most important part of building theme decks is to have fun. Encourage your friends to build around themes as well. We all tend to end up with a lot of cards that you just don't find a use for once you build your main decks. Especially if you're opening a lot of boosters, if you're opening booster boxes. But building to a theme can be a really fun way to start using those cards that you would never play anywhere else. And you might discover a new favourite card along the way. Or you might discover an interaction that you'd never even considered. Building to a theme can be a really fun way to build your and stretch your deck building muscles as well because it forces you to think about your cards in a totally new way and to reconsider cards that anywhere else you would probably just dismiss completely. So if you have any questions, feedback, comments, or concerns, please tweet at me at ConnorEFMG or email me at MemoryGaugePodcast at gmail.com. I'm always happy to hear from you listeners. New episodes come out each week, so be sure to follow the Memory Gauge Podcast on your podcast service of choice to stay up to date. Have a safe and happy holidays, everybody. We will be back on January 8th. Don't forget, we're not here next week. So next episode, January 8th. Please take care and I will see you then. This is the Memory Gauge, logging out.